welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. It's great to be here. You all look beautiful. Good to see you all. Looking very gorgeous this morning. So we are sharing this morning on the temptation of Christ. So if you have your device with you. Has anyone got an old-fashioned Bible here? In the Anyone? Anyone? I can't, not one single person has a paper Bible. Isn't that amazing? Everyone's just got electric or none. Wow. Oh, all right. Well, you do plug it in. Hang on. Hang on. We have a Bible. We have a... Well done. Okay. We have it. We have paper. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I remember when we were young, if you went to church and you didn't have your Bible, you sort of, it was sort of bad. And you had to, so you'd bring these big Bibles and the preacher would say, shake your Bible. And you'd go, ah. It was a big thing. They were really into it. So get your phones out. Matthew 4.1. We are going to be looking at the temptation of Christ. So I'll just read 1, 2, and 3. Jesus was led. This is Matthew 4. This is in the New King James Version. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God... Command that these stones become bread. So Jesus was led by the Spirit. And, he, and in Luke it says he was actually full of the Holy Spirit. He was ready. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was anointed. He hadn't done anything wrong. Sometimes when we feel tempted by the devil or we feel like things are hard, we think, what am I doing wrong? Well, Jesus hadn't done anything wrong. He was in a good place. He was doing well. And the Holy Spirit led him into this wilderness place, this horrible place. John Piper says this, You can count on it. When you have opened yourself to the fullness of God's Spirit, you have disciplined yourself to simplicity and self-denial and have resolved to give yourself to the liberating work of the gospel, you will be attacked by the devil, the, the gaunt lion of destruction, day in and day out. So... Interesting that, I found it interesting that the Holy Spirit, that God sort of uses the devil. It says that the Spirit led him to be tempted by the devil. It's almost like this kind of weird partnership. Isn't that interesting that God uses the devil? God's not sort of worried about the devil. He just uses him for his purposes. So sometimes you can be attacked by the devil, but that God organised that. Very interesting. So he sent him into a wilderness and he tested him. The word there, tempted and tested, is used interchangeably in the Bible. So it's this tested, proved. You know, they'd put the the gold into fire and all the impurities come out. So God allows this because he wants us to, all the impurities to come out so that our faith will come through as gold. Now the devil, on the other hand, of course, just wants to destroy us. He just wants to uh, ruin our life. 
He wants to ruin our destiny. He wants us to live in a cave. If we're say, if, if we, if, if I mean, if, first of all, he'd just like to take us all to hell. But if we, if we hold on to our salvation, at least he thinks, well, at least I can shove you over the side here in a cave, get you off the highway of holiness, get you off serving and loving God and just make you useless. He is our enemy. We have an enemy. So we need to be aware that he is there and as much as possible, avoid him and avoid temptation. Obviously, this is not rocket science. You all know this. Somebody who gets tempted, if you find alcohol tempting, just don't keep it in the house. That's basic Alcoholics Anonymous kind of stuff, isn't it? You just just get rid of it or pour it all out. <laughs> glug, glug, glug. If it's a problem to you, just deal with whatever is tempting to you. Stay away from some places. Stay away from some devices if you have a problem with them. Just stay away. But sometimes the, the, the Holy Spirit leads us into a situation and we, we didn't sort of plan to be there and here we are. He's, he's led us into a wilderness. How, sometimes think, how... How did I get here? I didn't, why am I, <laughs> some people's like, why am I in this marriage? I've literally had people say that to me. <laughs> I'm like, well, you, you, no one made you marry him. You know that, don't you? <laughs> you, you loved him, remember? Oh, yes. <laughs> so it's like, why, why are you in this marriage? I don't know. Why, or maybe why are you in this divorce? I was like, I did, I, I did not want to be here either. Do you know what I mean? Why, you, you get a great job. This is God. This is awesome. Then you're like, oh, this isn't, this is difficult. How did I get my, how did, how did this happen? How did I get these people around me? How did I get this situation? Sometimes we just find ourselves in a wilderness situation. Sometimes it's not even external, it's just internal. We can go through incredible internal tests that perhaps no one even sees. And we look quite fine on the outside, pottering along, doing life, but inside there's just this tremendous struggle and tremendous attack and these voices of fear and attack and temptation coming at us. It's like, whoa, what do we do here? So this is, this is normal. This is what happened to Jesus. If it happened to Jesus, it's sure to happen to us. And let's look at this test by test. So here's the first one. If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now, there's two elements to this test. So let's look, first of all, at just good old-fashioned lust. Just it's, it's basic food. He was hungry. He'd been fasting. And the devil's saying, well, turn the stones into bread and eat. Just, just eat food. There's nothing wrong with eating, especially if you're hungry. That's a legitimate desire. But what the devil does is he takes legitimate desires and he introduces them to us at the wrong time and the wrong place and in the wrong way. That's, that's his thing. And so he, he, you know, he messes with our brain because there's a legitimate desire to eat. There's a legitimate desire to drink, to rest, to play, have fun, talk, even make love. These are all legitimate, healthy, good desires. But they can all be distorted and turned bad into gluttony. Drunkenness, laziness, debauchery, cruelty, gossip, fornication and adultery. So that's what the devil does. He takes something good and twists it into something bad. Quite simply, often just wrong time, wrong place or wrong person. Your wife, stick with your wife, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, God doesn't want to stop us from enjoying things correctly he just wants us to stop us doing it in such a way that's damaging to us and, and wrong and distorted and, and uncomfortable and ruinous. So let's just be aware of that first 
test that the devil's always going to try and push us into doing something the wrong way and we need to just go, no, I'm going to do it the right way because God wants to bless me. I um, sometimes do uh, work with some singles. I've had done a couple of things with singles. If you're single here, you know, the classic thing is the whole sex before marriage. It's a huge thing in our society. In fact, it's, it, actually, it's not a huge thing. It's interesting as you get older, seeing how society changes. I remember when it was a little bit, you know, like, oh, they're living together before they're married. And now it's like, so wait, you, you, you didn't live together first? <laughs> our society's actually swung so far that it's almost... We're like, the, we're like the Amish, you know, we're like the weirdos that just get married and don't live together. But when I was young, it was still a little bit risque, a little bit like, ooh, they're living together, but not anymore. Um, but I always say to young people, look, just, just wait, right time, right place, wait till you're married. If you're single, wait till you're married. And then you can, God's so great. It's not like God wants to, to, to you know, stop you having fun. Once you're married, you can, you can make love as much as you like. Every day, if you want, you know, more than enough for years and years and years. What, 60 years? How long have you been married? 30 years every day. You know what I'm saying? It's not, there's no shortage. It's not like I'm going to miss out. It's like you're not going to miss out. There'll be enough, more than enough, some would say. So, you know, depending on your point of view. Do you know what I mean? Like God, when the time comes, he wants to bless us and give us plenty. There's no shortage. So the last 10, Chris says, yes. Amen, babe. Um, so... <laughs> Preach it. <laughs> Thank you, darling. Um, just feel a bit distracted now. Where was I? Um, <laughs> um, so, praise God. But there's another element to that test. If you are the son of God. If you are the son of God. So, he's tempting us with the flesh and with lust, but he's also tempting us to question our identity, to question who we are. What, what do you mean, if I'm the son of God? But what do you mean, if, if he loves me? If, maybe, maybe in certain situations, if God loved you, why are you here? If, if you were important, why are you doing this? If you were, if you were godly, this wouldn't be happening. If you, if you prayed more, you know, this, he, he tries to, unite the test with the flesh with the test to our identity so we feel oh what's the point I'm hopeless anyway oh well I may as well do it I'm pathetic that kind of thing it's like no don't marry those two those two tests together like the devil tries to and basically says well you're you're so pathetic you may as well do it anyway you're a loser anyway it's like no 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 let's just separate two things here first of all a I'm not a loser and b I'm not going to do this so we need to separate those and don't allow either of those and refuse them both. But how do we know how to do this? And, you know, this is the, the main point, I guess, of this whole thing and my main point today is, yes, we say no to temptation. Yes, we say no to having a wrong identity. But look how Jesus did it. He said no with the power of the word of God. He used the word of God. And this is my message today. We need the word of God. Willpower is just not enough. The most, the strongest of us, and that, you know, that particular issue there was bread for Jesus, which is a very basic thing. And look, we all have weaknesses in some areas. We all find something harder than someone else. So I, I try, I never, 
I never, you know, if someone struggles with this sin or that sin, I'm like, well, you know, let's not be proud about it. Let's not think, oh, I wouldn't do that. You know, you, you super skinny ones out there. Have you ever spoken to someone who's really slim? And, you, and I, I, I quiz them sometimes. So how do you do it? And they go, I don't know. I, I, they, oh, no, this is what they always say. I eat a lot. And I go, oh, yeah, right. So obviously don't, you know what I mean? But, you know, it's just not an issue for some people. My dad was like that. It's just, no, I've told you about my dad. He just doesn't have an issue with overeating. He's been exactly the same weight his whole life, except when he went and worked and did national service, because he's quite old. They did it back in the day. He lost one kilogram. And then he put it back on again. It's the same weight. Fascinating to me. Fascinating. Because, you know, I mean, I've got to be careful. But he doesn't. He just eats and then stops. And can I, have I shared with you how I tempted him once? Can I share it again? So I was fascinated by his, because he loves chocolate. Thank you, Dad. You gave that to me, but not the thing to say no. But anyway, um, so <laughs> loves chocolate. So we go away on holidays together. And I go, I'm going to tempt my dad. How does this work? I'm fascinated with his self-control. So I bought him, and he, said, and he said to me once, I can never resist it. I just love chocolate, especially dark chocolate. So I bought him his favourite dark chocolate, like three blocks of it. And we went away on holidays and go, look, Dad, I bought you your favourite dark chocolate. Oh, well, that's very nice of you. Gosh, you know, I can't resist it. And I went, yeah, I know. Let's see how this works. So, I, uh, <laughs> so after dinner, I get out the dark chocolate and go, let's eat the dark chocolate. Dad, he goes, oh, lovely. And so he takes a, a goodly amount, like a, at least a third of a block, maybe even half. I, I can't remember, but it was a good amount. So I'm thinking, okay, all right, good. Next night, again. Oh, well, here we've got more. Oh, this is wonderful. Eats it again. Next night, again. We're running out of chocolate. So I'm go, I go for coals, find the coals, and I'm like, come back, and I'm like, <laughs> can I tempt him some more? How does this work? So I'm tempting him again. And uh, I remember, it was just so good. About the fourth or the fifth night of large amounts of chocolate for my super disciplined doesn't, you know, dad who doesn't think he's disciplined. Um, I get the chocolate out and I go, here we go, we've got it again. He just goes, no thanks. I go, but dad, you really like it. You can't say no. Remember? He goes, oh yeah. And I go, you said you want it? And he goes, no thanks. And he just wouldn't even look at it. He just, it was just a sort of, he just, no, no, no. It was just like, no. I was fascinated. I was like, wow. And I asked him about it later. Did, did you want to? I go, oh. And he didn't even want to talk about it. It was like he didn't think that he had exercised any willpower because it was very natural to him to do that. But I found it really interesting. And actually, here's the thing. You know, he's my dad and he recently got saved, which is lovely. I recognise the strength in him and I said, Dad, can you lay hands on me? I want everything that you've got on me. And he was like, oh, well, all right. He's so sweet. He's like, oh, okay. How does this work? You know? So bless his heart. I got him to pray for me. So look, he's naturally strong in that area. I'm naturally strong in other areas. So what? Let's not get proud about it. We all get tempted in our weak areas, okay? And whether you have a daughter that's tempting you or, or someone else, because sometimes the devil works through people or situations, we need to do what Jesus did. He went to the Word of God. The way to resist temptation is to be in God. Obviously, we have many weapons. If we look at Ephesians 6.11, put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He's a wily one and he's scheming against you. I am fairly smart and I schemed against my dad to get him to eat more chocolate. But I can assure you the devil's a lot more scheming than I am. Look at Ephesians 6.13. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Ephesians 6.17. Take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. This is what Jesus did. When the day of evil comes, we are all going to have an evil day. A day of evil is when the devil decides to come. You're like, why does this happen? Because we're on earth, 
and we're still in the battleground. Don't worry, it's going to finish. We'll get to heaven and it'll all be over. But in the meantime, there's purpose in this. It's to build us to be strong. It's to teach us to resist. It's to prove us like gold so that the impurities go and we are left being pure and strong and determined to follow Jesus. But we've got to do it. The day of evil will come. There's no good complaining or whinging about it. There's no good wondering about it. It's not because we're bad. It's just comes for us all. And we need to do what Jesus did, which is to declare the Word of God. Now, here's the thing. Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is the Word. He is the Word. So, you know, Jesus, I just love this. He is quoting Moses. How humble. I think that Jesus can, doesn't need to quote Moses. Jesus just says something and it becomes the Word of God. Why does Jesus quote Moses in Deuteronomy? All of these things he's saying, it's, he says, it is written, and he knew where, in, they didn't call it Deuteronomy then, I think they called it the, the fourth book of Moses. He, he's quoting from the fourth book of Moses. Why would he do that for us? He wants to show us how it's done. He doesn't need to do that. He quotes himself. But we do. We need to quote them because this is the Word of God. Well, our, our Word is not quite at that level yet. But we, we, He showed us, think of the preparation here. He, he doesn't appear to have His iPad with Him out there in the desert and there's no electricity. He just says, it is written. It is, this is what the Bible says. He goes straight to the Word of God. He's read the Word of God. He's memorised the Word of God and He knows how to use it. So if Jesus is doing that, I think we need to do it too. Because clearly he's doing it as an example for us. But I believe also because that's the way it works. And when Jesus was on earth, in a body, being tempted as we were tempted, he just did it the way it worked. So he, he, he knew how to do it right. He knew how to get the victory. He's showing us. So let's do that, church. Let's get into the Word of God. Let's get into the Word of God. It is great having iPads because honestly, you just Google, what does the Bible say about this? You know, you can do it quickly. But it's even better to just know the word, have scriptures ready in your heart, be always memorizing, always, every day. I just, what's my scripture today? What's my word today? Every day, every day. I just like to have the Bible in my head. I like to have the Bible in my heart and in my mouth, heart and mouth. You know, it's just so, it's wonderful. That's what fills us up. That's what should fill us up. Instead of some TV show or worry. And there's always a worry or something bad could happen. Just go to, I sometimes go, oh, don't want to think about that. What will I think about? I'm going to think about the Word of God. That's what I actually do. I never worry anymore about waiting in queues. I just, I just get my memory verses out. Think about the Bible. Talk about the Bible. Get the Word in my head, at my heart and my head and ready because you never know when you're going to need it. You never know when you're going to get attacked. Sometimes thoughts come into your head and we need to know what it is. And that's actually what Jesus said in this first one. That Jesus' response was, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So it's sort of like a double example. Not only is he quoting the word of God to teach us to love the word of God, he's actually saying man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. So it's, it's a wonderful sort of, what he's saying there is when we say no to what the devil's doing, we just don't go, no, and now I'm empty. It's not like that. It's my satisfaction, my answer is no, not to that, but yes to the Word of God. 
yes to the word. So I'm full of his word. I'm not living by just bread. I'm not living by what I can take in. I'm living by his word. It's actually satisfying you. There's a satisfaction. It's, there's a strength there. This is manna from heaven, if you like. Those things, you know, bread and food and all that, that's satisfying to some extent. But what's really satisfying is when God speaks to you. And Jesus even said, my food is to do his will. So I really want to encourage you with, with any form of attack or temptation. It's not just a no, it's a yes to God. If you have a yes to God and you're being filled up with God, the no becomes easy. If you've got nothing filling you up, the no is hard because I'm, I'm still hungry. I still want that thing. But when we're full of God, the no is so much easier. And let that be an encouragement to you. If there's any area in your life you're struggling with, get into the Word of God about that area and fill up because it's, it's just exciting. Now, interestingly, that word there, man should not live by bread alone but by every word. The Greek word for word is rima. There's two Greek words for word in the Bible. One is logos and one is rima. And without getting too sort of technical, the rima is definitely a spoken word. It's, a, it's an alive word. It's a now word. And it's a sense of, of a vital, living, relational word that God has spoken to us just now, just now. And that is wonderful. Get those words into your heart. Have a word from God. If, you've, if you never feel like God's spoken to you, start with the Logos. Start by reading the Bible a lot and memorising it and get into it and then wait for God to speak words into your heart, just, just a whisper. And it's, there's so much delight in that that you, you can, you know, someone said to me the other day, they just said, I, I don't want to watch TV anymore at night. I just, I just love praying so much. I just want to hear from God. It's not a fake thing. It's not a, I'm trying to be more spiritual, but I don't want to be. It's like, I'm loving this. It's, it's just the delight of life is relationship. The delight of life is loving one another. That's where it's all at. Honestly, I mean, I've got a little grandchild now. I mean, it's incredible just how much you can love someone, isn't it? Just This is the precious thing. Just to try and get a smile out of her face, you know. <laughs> Look, yeah, we're all just doing all these weird things. She's just like looking at us like, I don't know. <laughs> it's such a delight when a little child smiles at you. And yet that's, that's, that's like times 10 when God smiles at us and when God speaks to us. That's the delight of our life. Jesus understood that. It's not about bread. I mean, that's nice, bread. That's nice. Good old sourdough or whatever. Get Frosty to get you the best sourdough. He knows them all. That's good. But it's nothing compared to God speaking into your heart and releasing that, that word from heaven. All right, let's look at the second test. How are we going for time? We're getting there. So then the second test comes, another one, or the third. Luke has them in different orders, which is just interesting. It means it doesn't matter what the order is. It's kind of, you know, and Luke implies that he was tested for the entire 40 days. Matthew implies he was tested at the end. To me, that sort of represents the way spiritual things work sometimes. It's quite likely that these tests sort of rolled into one or one came and the other went and then that one came again. You thought, oh, I dealt with this. That there's certain flexibility around that. 1 Peter 4.12 says this. Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial which is to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised. It's not strange. 
This is normal. <laughs> this is life. This is the battle. So yes, the devil will try again. You think, oh, well, I've dealt with that. And what do you know? He's come again. Don't be surprised. Don't go, oh, that's, that's terrible. It's happening again. Why is it happening again? Because the devil doesn't like you. That's why. And he's trying to get you down. But God loves you and God will not allow any test that's not right for you. So let's have a look. If you are the son of God, then let's look at the, te- at the second test. Here we go. New King James Version. Matthew 4. So then he said in verse 5, The devil took him to the holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you're the son of God, that's that identity thing again, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. So if you're the son of God, do this amazing thing for God, because... He'll, he'll look after you. So this is very interesting. First of all, the devil can quote scripture. That's interesting. Is everyone aware of that? The devil can actually quote scripture to you. Have you ever had anyone quote scripture to you? Have you ever seen the world misuse the Bible? Oh my goodness. Don't, it's like, yeah, whatever. They just try to get the, the word the way they want it to be. They say, yeah, what about the Old Testament? It says this, that, and the other. It's like, just don't even go into debate with that. It's ridiculous. They, they do not no, they do not understand the word of God. They do not understand the Old Testament. They do not understand anything. It's like you, you, don't, you don't understand. So he says, he says, why don't you do something amazing for God? Do something incredible and, and force God to bless you. And this is an interesting kind of test. It's like, well, I, I'm doing this for God or I, I'm doing this for maybe good. You know, it's the classic thing of, you know, the, the wife or the husband, well, I, I know I'm working too hard, but, but you know, this is for us. It's like, is it? I, I'm, I, I'm, I know I'm doing this, but it's, it's for a good purpose. I'm doing something good. Well, is it? Let's make sure that he, he's basically saying, do something amazing and then God will bless you. We've kind of got it around the wrong way. Listen to this. We trust God when we look to him to deliver us in perils met in meek acceptance of his will. We test him or tempt him when we expect him to save us from those encountered on roads that we have picked out for ourselves. So sometimes we do our own thing and we get ourselves into difficulties and we say, well, God's got to bless me. God's got to do this for me. It's like, well, he doesn't actually because he never told you to do that in the first place. He might rescue you because he's gracious. But let's just have a meek understanding of the will of God. Let's be meek. I love this word meek at the moment. Rather than saying, oh, God's told me to do this and I'm going to do it. And I'm like, has he? Can I just say that scripture, we have the mind of Christ, is plural. We have the mind of Christ. You don't, Sarah Gervin, all by yourself, but we do. It's very simple. But I can't get over how many Christians get this wrong. We're doing this because, you know, we've got the mind of Christ, so we've just decided. And I'm like, well, why didn't the Holy Spirit tell me that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And are you saying, oh, can we never disagree? Yeah, we disagree all the time. So let's sit down and work it out. If someone comes to me and they say, well, I think this, and I think, well, I don't, I think that. Okay, well, then let's not move forward because we're in disagreement. That's why the Bible says let's work for the unity of the Spirit because if we can get agreement, then we can move forward. So if I'm not in agreement with someone who's really good, 
I get in agreement. We wait and we pray and we sit and we talk and we work it out. And often you get this lovely sort of mix of both things. It's like, oh, that's, oh, and you both get excited. Oh, this is it. This is God. Because you find that unity of the spirit and it's exciting. So we need to be meek. So what do you think? Let's work it together. Maybe I change my opinions because what is the point of doing something God doesn't want you to do? What is the point? I just don't understand that. You know, Luke had, and Shelley were home the other day and they had some of these Jehovah's Witnesses come to their front door, you know, and it's like, is that right? And it's like we were talking about it and Luke was just saying how he responded and, I mean, generally you can't debate with them because they're all set ready for the debate, you know. They're ready. They've got their machine gun. Like, they know what you're going to say. They're not really ready to receive. So I generally don't debate with them because... As I say, it's just, it's not going to work. But I, I, I you know, I, personally, I just sort of say, you know, the Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you seek the truth, you'll find it. I, I, I have Jesus in my heart. I'm happy. I hope that you find the truth. I'm, I'm sorry that you, I often say, I'm, I'm sorry that you have the wrong thing. Or I just say to them, you're wrong. Because they are. They are. They're just wrong. Like, I just don't, I don't debate. And so, well, what do you say? What do you, do you mean? I'm gonna, yeah, bless you. God, okay, but I'm not going to debate. Debate doesn't work. But what a, what a, what kind of a tragedy is that? I mean, you've got to admire the commitment. Some of these false teachers and false religions, they're travelling around the world. I mean, we had a couple of gorgeous young American men knock on our door in Russia, in St. Petersburg, for goodness sakes. And they knocked on the door. We went, who's that? You always to check in Russia, like, who's that? You know, we're going to let them in? And then we go through the first door and then the second door, which was steel. And there was like a little bit of security there. And then we get to the second door, look again. Yep, okay. I'm like, who is it? They go, And then they said, in perfect Russian, better than ours, wasn't it, babe? You know, we're, I don't know, I can't, I'm not going to try now. I've got too many Russians in the chair. <laughs> They'll fix me up. But, you know, they just basically said, you know, hello, we, we would like to come and talk to you about God or whatever it was. Um, they, were, they were Mormons. And bless them, you know, I just like, they open the door and like, hi guys, we're Australians. And I go, oh wow, you know, and they've, they've learned their Russian, they've given a couple of years to go and live in St. Petersburg. It's just wonderful what they're doing, but they're wrong. They've got the wrong, they've got the wrong thing, they have a wrong doctrine, they have, why would you do that? And then expect God to bless you. Find out what God wants you to do. And don't do anything else. And if God wants you to sit at home and wash the dishes, do that. Do that because you're much better off to obey God than to do some amazing sacrificial thing in Russia if that's not what God wants you to do. Only do the will of God, no more, no less. And he'll give you a great life and you won't be too busy. You'll be just right and your life will be good. Never, ever do something that God wants you to, to do that's not right. And Jesus' answer to that is, verse 7, it is written again, Back to the word of God. Again, takes out the sword of the spirit again. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Don't or test. Don't test God. Don't say, God, I'm doing this and you can bless me. Uh-uh. God, what do you want me to do? Because you're God. It's not for me to test you. You're testing me. All right. So we do what God wants and we do it his way and then we get his blessings. Now let's look at the third test. Seem to have missed a page here. Probably left it down there with Anna Sue. Um, let's go to the third test. I might add with this, um, with coming up with stories, it's a little bit hard to get stories. 
I asked a few people, so what's this great big temptation you get with God? They all look at me like, I'm not, I'm not going to share that. <laughs> and I'm not sharing my big temptations with you either. So I'm like, I haven't got any stories because I'm not sharing mine. I often share my little stories and no one's sharing theirs with me. So I'm like, hmm. But I just want to share one beautiful person. So Nadia, is she here? Oh, she's out cooking. So she's out. Um, I asked Nadia, can I just say, first of all, like any of you, what? Any of you who've cooked for everyone, thank you so much for doing that. Like Nadia was cooking for hours yesterday for all of us today, this beautiful food. Such an amazing blessing. But I did ask Nadia and Lindia, you know, have you ever been tempted by the devil, obviously, you know, that you can share with me? And Nadia said yes, and she's given me permission to share this with you. She says, well, I was working in the kitchen one day, and out of nowhere, I felt this temptation, this voice in my head, and it was this, I want to pick a fight with someone. And I went, really? She says, yep. She says, I'm just working away and I just want to pick a fight with someone. She said, I just, just came into my head. And she said this, but the only people in the house were the cat, the dog and Lara. And like, no one picks a fight with Lara and the cat and the dog. Well, I mean, that's just sad if you pick a fight with them. So I'm like, that's so random. She goes, I know. And she said, that's what I thought. Why do I feel like this? And isn't it like the devil? Like what? Where does this thought come? Like, what is that? So Nadia, because she's a really spiritual woman, went to her room to seek God. She didn't even think about picking the actual fight because, you know, well, that's dumb. So she said no, but she, what she was more concerned was, what's, why? Why do I feel like this? So she said, I went to my room and there was this book and it was 31 days of praise and it had Psalms in it. So she went to the, this book and she opened it up and it was a Psalm written there and she just said the Psalms out loud. She just read them out loud. She did exactly what Jesus did. She went to the word, it is written, and she declared them out loud and then she said, and then the temptation left. And then she went back to cooking and she didn't pick a fight with anyone. Aren't you glad, Henry? <laughs> so you know what I'm saying? It's so random. Why do these things come to us? So if Nadia, of all people, sweet, beautiful Nadia, wants to pick a fight with someone, what is the devil going to do with the rest of us that maybe aren't as spiritual as she is? She spends half her life praying. We're just going to get some random thoughts in there, some random tests. The devil's going to try anything. So be aware of this and go to the Word. Be like Nadia. And the random thoughts come or the tests come or whatever. You know, you can have, be having a discussion with someone. You feel like saying something horrible. It just comes into your head. I could say this and that would be really hurtful. Not, not you, Sarah, but you know what I'm saying. Like, Sarah's looking at me like, no, please. <laughs> you just got to say no and then go to the Word of God. So let's go to the third test. The third test, verse, Matthew 4, verse 9 and 10. Then the devil took him to an extremely high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. If you fall down and worship me, I'm going to give you this glory. I'm going to give you this wonderful thing. So here's another test that comes to a lot of us in maybe bigger ways or smaller ways. If you fall down and do it the devil's way, he will give you success. He will give you glory. He'll give you, you know, whether it's a celebrity who, I thought they were a Christian, but now all of a sudden they're not a Christian or they're not saying Christian things. It's because if you start saying Christian things out there in the world, the world doesn't want you. And I, you know, I know of people that became famous some, suddenly they're not Christians anymore because they want that glory. But if you hold on to your Christian convictions, the world will go, mm, no, we don't want that. 
So it's like the devil will literally say, I'll give you this fame. It's almost like a, a, a deal with a Faustian deal, if you like, with the devil. I'll, I'll give it to you, but you've got to do this, this and this. I know a pastor once who said, had this young girl in his church and she wanted to be an actress. And he was like, okay, good, yeah. And then she came to him all excited. She's this lovely young Christian girl. I've got this fantastic part. I'm so excited in television. He's like, great, what is it? And it was some dreadful show, horrible horrible show it was a full sexual show and he was like wow and he thought no but it was like oh no but this is a good opportunity it's like uh. so anyway she went ahead and did it you know so there's glory to be got in the world and the devil will offer it to you and maybe it's not as a celebrity or on tv but maybe it's just even in a little way someone was saying to me you know you can impress your friends on a saturday night just some, you know, maybe young people here, if I just have that extra drink and look cool and I can fit in with them and they'll think, oh, you're cool, you're good, you're not like one of those boring Christians. Just you get that little bit of glory from your friends or that little bit of glory at work if you sort of fit in with the crowd. This is what the devil offers us. He offers us glory if we do it his way. And if we're doing it his way, that's the same thing as worshipping. People these days think, I don't worship the devil. But if we, we honour his ways and what he says, we're effectively worshipping him. So we say, no, I'm not going to do that. And so then Jesus said this, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. I'm not serving my job. I'm not serving friends so that I can get more of them. I'm not serving for any other reason than just because I want to worship God. I want to be with him. So then the devil, it says the devil left him. Verse 11, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So let us encourage one another that things come to an end. You know, tests come to an end. We don't get tested forever. That things just come to an end. You all, we all remember times when it was like this was the worst time. It was such a difficult time. It finishes. It's okay. God's good. He will not let us be tested beyond our strength. He won't let us be tempted for too long. And it came to an end. And it, this lovely here, because look in verse 11, the devil left and angels came and ministered. I love that. And remember one of the tests was that he said the angels will rescue you. This is the, the horrible thing about the devil. He offers you things that God's going to give you anyway. You know what I mean? That was the big thing. Oh, you could get, you can do something fancy. You can get like spiritual stuff going on. You can get angels come and rescue you. Well, literally a few verses later, it says the angels came. So when we do things God's way, we get God's blessings at the right time in the right way. And it's wonderful. So let's all of us be aware we have an adversary. We're not surprised about it. We're all getting tested in various ways, but it's not too long. It's not in the wrong way. And when we go to the Word of God, when we stay in obey the Word of God, stay in church, get people to help us do all the right things, we get through. It finishes and we get the angels to come and look after us and bless us. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Praise God. Come on. Let's sing that song, You Are Good, to finish off. Just that one we were singing before. God, you're good. All the time, God is good. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Just as we sing this, I want us to look to God and make a real commitment to walk through whatever things we're feeling tested with, to be aware of them and to be uh, clear that we're going to deal with 
each issue with the Word of God. Let's just make that commitment. Let's be like Jesus to come through these tests, to come through. Let's not get stuck in a cave. Let's not get stuck going round and round on the same issues. Let's get through them. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.